Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today is part three of a four-part series I've been doing to kind of walk you through how to help your child with anxiety or OCD. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should go back and listen to episode 51 because you really want to listen to these in sequential order for you to get enough bang for your buck. And really you're not getting any buck because (laughs) these are free. So I would pause this episode and start with episode 51. If you've already listened to 51 and 52, welcome. We're at part three of part four. And this is really the meat and potatoes part of this series, because we're going to start talking about what ERP is and give you some ideas on how to implement that at home. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, you want to do that so that you don't miss these. You don't want to miss the last one coming out. And that way you'll get notified right away or subscribe to my newsletter because I send out emails once a week just saying, Hey, new podcast. This is the topic. Hey, new YouTube video. This is the topic. So that way you're not kept in the dark. I also am changing my YouTube channel, possibly temporarily, maybe permanently. I'm not sure if you have any input, you can let me know, but there had been a lot of talk about providing things directly to kids. And so I heard that it was like really a loud message for about a week. I was getting that message from everyone I talked to, you know, Hey, this is all great. Love the parenting support, but do you have anything directly for kids? So I had already had my wheels going on that topic thinking, you know, I'm going to start providing direct material for kids. And I've already started my social anxiety class, which is going to be for kids and adults because I think social anxiety is the same across the board, but people wanted more stuff like podcast and YouTube videos. So I talked to my private Facebook group. If you're not on there, you should join. I will leave a link in the show notes. And in the private Facebook group, there was a lot of talk about using YouTube instead of the podcast because us old fogies (laughs) listen to podcasts, but YouTube is definitely a more popular platform for the kids. So if you're listening to this, I've probably already had a couple of weeks of YouTube videos coming out directly for kids. So it's going to be called what it's normally called. It's called ask the child therapist on YouTube, and it's going to be just for kids. So ask the child therapist just for kids will be the new name for at least the the next month. And then if it's popular and kids seem to be enjoying it, then I might permanently change my channel to help your kids. And you can listen to my podcast to help yourself. That way I'm helping everybody. So go over my YouTube channel. It's uh, youtube.com backslash C backslash anxious toddlers 78. Subscribe to that. So you can see what I'm talking about and see if your kids like my YouTube videos. So anyway, today is a really important topic because not enough people know about ERP. And even those that do know a little bit about ERP, they get confused about exactly how you're supposed to do it 
and how it will help kids. And I am going to make a kid's YouTube video eventually about ERP because I think there's a lot of resistance from anybody who has OCD or anxiety to do ERP because it's a very scary therapy. It takes a lot of empowerment and a lot of strength to actually do it. So what am I talking about? So I'm talking about exposure response prevention. That is what ERP stands for. Actually, ERP stands for something else, which I had to Google. (laughs) It stands for enterprise resource planning. So the sad thing is if you type in ERP in Google, you're going to get a lot of business and IT information because nobody talks about ERP for OCD except the OCD community which I think is atrocious because OCD impacts so many people. One out of 200 kids will have OCD. And I think it's one out of 100 adults will have OCD. And anxiety is even much higher. And yet we don't talk about the evidence-based therapy that is the gold standard approach for OCD. And it's super effective for anxiety as well. And most graduate schools in counseling and psychology, they don't teach you how to do ERP. They don't even teach you a lot about OCD. At least they didn't when I was in school. And I doubt they do now. Maybe there's some good programs out there, but it is a missed topic in the mental health community, which I think is appalling because that's a big part of mental health. Lots of people have OCD. Lots of people have anxiety. Why are we not teaching and training our clinicians how to do ERP. So luckily there is the international OCD foundation. And if you're a therapist, you should check out their site and look under the professional tab because they have ERP training. They actually have kind of a whole OCD training. And really that's the best training that you're going to get because graduate schools are not doing it for us. So you can go there and you can sign up for one of their advanced trainings I actually took one pretty recently and I walked away with a lot of aha moments that I honestly was going to sound a little cocky. I didn't know if I was really going to get anything from it because I have been practicing ERP for so long, but I walked away with even more knowledge and I thought it's a great program and I'm looking to sign up for more of them because as a professional, they're amazing. But as a parent, There are things that you can do and things that you can learn about ERP as well, because I feel like you're with your kids 24-7. I'm with my kid who has anxiety and OCD 24-7. And so I'm going to be in the best position to implement some exposure response prevention plans than a therapist. And in fact, even in my therapy office, I will kind of take the role of coach And I will coach parents and I'll coach children how to do it. And a lot of times I'll give them kind of an assignment or something to do at home for a while, but eventually they create their own. So I'm basically teaching them how to be their own ERP expert. And I do that as well in my online class, parenting kids with OCD, not so much with my anxiety class. I teach you how to do kind of an anxiety version of ERP where I talk about challenges and it has the exposure component, but not your classic ERP like you would do with OCD. So both classes will teach you how to do this type of approach with the OCD class. 
it is much more detailed and it goes step by step. Anxiety, you really don't have to be as methodical because it looks different. And we'll talk about that now. So let's start with what ERP is. So ERP is a type of therapy where you systematically expose, we're going to say child, but obviously it's for anyone. You expose the child to their OCD or anxiety triggers. And so you have to be very careful with this because you don't want to get overzealous and expose your child to triggers haphazardly. You want to be very systematic with it. So the overall concept is that one OCD and anxiety lie to us and they make us feel nervous about something. And the way that it gains power and momentum in our world is it makes us feel like the only solution, the only reprieve is to avoid or to do a compulsion if you have the OCD component. And so avoid or do a behavior to get some brief relief. And we get into this cyclical nightmare where we have stress, we have an obsessive thought if it's OCD, and then we do a compulsion for some brief relief, but then that actually makes the OCD stronger. And so we have to do more compulsions and on and on it goes. And with anxiety, we avoid most of the time, anxiety is predominantly avoid. I'll avoid going to school. I'll avoid going to bed. I'll avoid sleeping by myself. I'll avoid those dark rooms. And then I don't have to face my fear. And so the fear becomes palatable and stronger. So in both situations, whether it's OCD or anxiety, I am paralyzed by the demands of anxiety and the demands of OCD. And it's this facade. I kind of call it a paper dragon a lot of times, although kids don't know what I'm talking about. I wish I had a paper dragon in my office. I think I've said that before. But it looks bigger and scarier than it really is. And so it's the idea of whatever the fear is and not the actual fear itself. So ERP is kind of, I equate it to two different things. These are two pretty popular analogies in the world of ERP. So if I I don't like scary movies, and this is what I start off with when I'm explaining it to kids. I hate scary movies. I don't like jump scares. I mean, when I was a kid, we didn't even have a name for that, but now kids even have a name for it. Jump scares. I don't like it. I don't like to be startled. So horror movies are really horrible because I don't like that. But if I had to watch a horror movie once, I would be petrified. I would be nervous about, you know, being startled. There'd be all that going on. But if I watched it over and over and over again, the horror movie would lose its power to scare me. In fact, After a while, I would be bored with it and I'd be like, really, do we have to watch this again? I might even be analyzing the makeup and saying how fake it looks. It wouldn't have an impact on me. Now, I don't have to do that because I don't have to watch scary movies. That's really not something that is impeding my welfare and affecting the quality of my life. But if it was something like germs or if you're throwing up, well, that would be a problem. So I would have to face it. So I use the scary movie analogy to help kids understand that when we face the thing that seems scary to us over and over again, we eventually acclimate to it. A lot of times we use the word habituate. I don't use that language with kids. I just say you get used to it. It's not that bad anymore. And then it becomes boring. We want to bore the brain with the things that it's scaring you the most about. The other analogy that I use with kids that tends to make sense for them is 
a cold swimming pool. And that's a great analogy out here in Arizona because we experience that a lot because most of us go swimming year round because in Arizona, everyone has heated pools, but the heated pools aren't really super warm. So whenever you jump into water in Arizona, unless you're in like the middle of July and it's like 120 here, I swear nobody is supposed to live in this desert. This is like not habitable, but we try to make it work anyway. So when it's 120 and you jump in the water, it actually feels like a warm bath, which is kind of (laughs) gross. So anyway, what I'll say to kids is, you know, when you jump into cold water at first, it's freezing and you want to get out and it's uncomfortable and it's not a fun experience. But if you stay in the water and you wait it out, eventually the water gets warm And it feels comfortable. In fact, it feels so fun and comfortable that you enjoy it and you like swimming. And it's more uncomfortable to get out of the water and not swim. So it's the same thing with ERP. The more you acclimate to the thing that your OCD or anxiety is trying to freak you out about, you're calling its bluff and you get used to it and it loses all its power. The last analogy that I use a lot of times is, well, there's two different analogies. I'll talk about chicken you know, chicken, <laughs> I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, that game where like you have two cars that are going and then one of them's going to veer off. That's a horrible example. Don't use that with kids. <laughs> but the other version I use is the, you know, like we're going to have a stare off and we're going to see who blinks first. Well, OCD and anxiety is doing that, especially OCD. We're going to have a stare off and OCD always wins because you always blink first. You always go and you do that compulsion. And so it wins and it grows stronger. With ERP, you don't blink. You say, you know what? I'm going to hold out and I'm not going to blink. And the beautiful thing is that when a child gets exposed to their trigger and they ride the curve, a lot of times ERP therapists will draw kind of like a curve and they'll talk about how anxiety will peak or the uncomfortableness will peak and then it goes down naturally on its own. But most of us will bail at the very top of that peak because we're so uncomfortable, we can't handle it. So we bail and we didn't give it enough time to realize that it was going to naturally go down on its own. And over time, that peak gets smaller and smaller. So the concept sounds simple enough, but you have to be careful. For starters, you want to be tackling your child's core fear. And that is why if you haven't listened to episode 51, you need to, because you need to know that core fear in order to set up a really effective ERP. Secondly, you want to start with baby steps. And so you want to make what ERP therapists will call a fear hierarchy. I call it a challenge ladder because I think that's just a little bit more kid friendly, but you want to make a challenge ladder and you want to talk about the things that are mildly upsetting on a 1 to 10 scale, 10 being the worst, all the way up to extremely upsetting. So you want to do it in baby steps. Now, I'm not going to go into how to do ERP in detail in this podcast because one, I think that it would be a little irresponsible because an hour podcast, or I actually try to keep these down to about 40, 45 minutes, is just not enough time. And it really needs to be taught to you in detail. So I I recommend that you go, if you don't have a therapist already, go and get professional help 
And this podcast and my other podcast episodes are there to supplement you so that you can have the additional support. Um, You can read the book by John March, which is called Talking Back to OCD. That's a great book. And he actually does walk you through how to do ERP step-by-step. If you want some more hand-holding and some more detail, you can take my online class, Parenting Kids with OCD. And there's like 40 videos and a bunch of worksheets and I'll walk you step-by-step. And in fact, you can ask me questions along the way and you can leave comments in each lesson. There are video lessons that you can take, you can watch on an iPad or a phone and they're a little bit easier to digest. I'm a visual person, so I feel like videos are easier for me to digest. But if you're having any struggles, people can email me while they're taking the class and get that additional support. If you're a quick reader, read the book, uh, Talking Back to OCD, and that would be very helpful as well. If you have a therapist, that's even better because you have the ongoing support. If you don't have a therapist that specializes in OCD, you can go to the International OCD Foundation's website at iocdf.org backslash find dash help. And if there's somebody in your area, hopefully they would be listed there and you can find someone that hopefully specializes in doing OCD treatment. And if they specialize in OCD treatment, they should be doing ERP because if they're not, then they really aren't specializing in OCD because that's the gold standard approach for OCD. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. I want to talk a little bit about doing ERP, but I want you to know that you're not going to get the full step-by-step here. And I want you to get some outside support as well before you start this with your kids. So the idea is that you're going to expose your child incrementally. And a lot of people don't really get the incremental part because you want your child to not bail. (laughs) That's my like non-clinical term for it. You don't want them to bail halfway through doing an ERP exposure and give up and do their compulsion or avoid and run out of the room or whatever you're doing. Because then not only did it not work, but you've actually reinforced the OCD or anxiety. So you want to set it up for success. I always tell parents, you want to do small steps because if you take a big, big step and your child finds it too overwhelming, they may never want to go back to doing ERP. And that would be the worst end result because we want kids to see success. In my office, I love it because... There's nothing better than seeing a kid ecstatic over facing their fears. And once they do an exposure and they realize, oh my gosh, this has been kind of like a facade. This has been an illusion. OCD has been lying to me. This wasn't as bad as I thought. There is this wave of relief that I see on kids' faces. And as they progress through exposures, There's this gratitude that they're getting their life back and they're getting their time back. You won't see that if you're the one driving the exposures and your child is not the one in control. So I put this on kids. I don't make them do it. If they don't want to do an exposure, they'll say, do I have to? And I'll say, absolutely not. This is up to you. So 
In episode 54, next week, we're going to be talking about different ideas on what exposures will look like because it gets a little tricky how to be creative and what, what exposures would look like for different OCD themes and different anxiety issues. And so I'm going to devote an entire episode talking about just lots of different ERP ideas because you have to be kind of creative and think out of the box. And a lot of times people get stumped. And that was a request from my private Facebook group. Can you help us with some ERP ideas? Because I'm not sure what would an exposure look like for this particular problem. But this episode is more talking about just the nuances of what ERP is. I just want to educate you so that you're like, I know what ERP is. I get it now. And I can look into it a little bit more. And I also want to talk about some of the pitfalls. So I always say your child is the one in the driver's seat and you're in the passenger seat. And even though that can be super hard to really give up that control, it's important to do. And it can give you a little relief to know that really you're not the one in charge of this. It's your child. You can show them how to do these things. You can give them ideas, but ultimately this is their battle and it's their battle to win or lose as hard as that is to watch. So you want to sit down with your child and, you know, go over their OCD themes or their anxiety themes. And then you want to talk about what different types of exposures they can do. And then you want to do them incrementally. So I'm going to give you some examples because you know, I love examples. And then we'll talk about some more specific ideas for you next episode. But let me show you what this looks like in action. So let's take a whole bunch of them. We'll talk about some of them that I've done at my house so that um, I can get all personal with you. So over Christmas break, we just had Christmas break and I was like, you know what? We are doing, we are doing, I call them challenges at my house. I call them challenges with the kids I work with that in my practice as well, because I just think that's a friendlier term than ERP or exposures. That kind of sounds inappropriate. <laughs> I actually had one kid who said exposures. <laughs> she was like appalled. And I was like, they're challenges. Let's just call them challenges. So I got a bunch of treasure box toys for my kids and filled them up. Actually, when I was Christmas shopping, I would buy a couple of different things for the treasure box, knowing that we were going to be doing exposure challenges over the Christmas break. I have three kids. If you don't listen to me, cause I do talk about them a lot. So I have three kids and they're 14, eight and six. And my eight year old and my six year old had issues that really required exposures and really, well, we'll go into it. I was going to say, I mean, it's, it's on the fence of anxiety and OCD. So we'll talk about that. So with my son, he didn't realize this, but so he's been going through some pandas testing, pandas pans testing, and he had to get a blood draw. He has all the symptoms of pandas. And we went to this pandas clinic in the university of Arizona. And they said, yeah, he really definitely sounds like he has like all the symptoms of pandas, but they did all the blood work and it all came back fine. So he had been put on antibiotics for a month and he did really, really well. And they said, okay, that's great. Take him off. And he didn't do well again. So I don't really know what's going on. But then when I was looking at the blood work, they hadn't done any strep titer testing, which is really weird because that's like a big part of the pandas testing. So that was really frustrating. So I knew 
he was going to have to go back and get another blood draw. Well, if you listen to me at all, you know that it took me a really long time to get him ready for the first blood draw because one of his primary anxiety issues besides his eating issues for OCD is getting poked, poked in any way. So that's needles, people's fingers, haircuts, nail clipping, cacti, um, bee stings, pretty much any of that would kind of dominate his fears. So I knew he was going to have to get another blood draw. He didn't know about it. And so over the winter break, I said, we're going to do some poking challenges. So I'll, I'll walk you through that one completely before I go into what I did with my, (laughs) my poor daughter. So with him, I did do a whole YouTube video on this, um, how to help kids overcome their needle fears, because this is more of an anxiety and not really an OCD issue. So this is kind of giving you an example of how to use ERP for kids who are anxious, because this is classic ERP, but the, the core issue that I'm dealing with with him in this realm was just a pure anxiety. There were, there were no compulsions necessarily related to the poking issue. He did cover up his belly button and that was definitely more OCD related uh, or OCD behavior, but it was predominantly anxiety. So I do have a YouTube video where I walk you through exactly what I did to get him over his fear of needles. I made that a long time ago and I had to do it all over again. So basically what I did was I pulled out I'll leave a link in the show notes, and if you're on my website, I'll leave the video below this podcast so that you can watch it if you're interested in this. But I I opened up a paperclip so that it was a little pokey, <laughs> and we used a shot blocker. If you don't know what a shot blocker is, it's actually an amazing invention that helps kids get shots. And so there are like little pokes on the shot blocker, so it's basically this piece of plastic that has like these little um, plastic ridges and it's supposed to kind of disseminate the feeling of pressure throughout the arm. And we actually started doing exposures where all I would do was put the shot blocker on his arm and push down because it was pokey already. And that was enough of a challenge for him to handle that. So that was a very small baby step. I'm not even going to poke you I'm going to use the shot blocker, which is supposed to help you with poking, and I'm going to poke you with that. So we did that for a while, and I would just push it down lightly and ask him what number he was. You don't have to do the numbers. You can kind of just look at your kid's eyes and tell whether they're uncomfortable or not. But with him, I ask his number, and I'm just trying to gauge where his anxiety is because I don't want to finish doing the exposure until he's bored by it until he is not anxious at all. That's the ultimate goal is that his number is like a one or a two with kids on the spectrum. I tend to use colors instead of numbers because they get hung up on the number. And so I use red, yellow, and green. Keep it really simple. Um, Sometimes I have kids who are afraid of lying. They have moral OCD and they can't give me a number because they think they're lying. And so We struggle with that. So I'll do colors with those kids because they'll be like, I think I'm a five. No, I'm lying. I think I'm a four. So that just becomes kind of a a struggle. (laughs) I'm trying to think who else do I do colors with? Mm, I think that's 
pretty much it. If you see that a child is really struggling with numbers and move to colors, but a lot of times you don't even have to do numbers or colors. My youngest, and I'll talk to you briefly about the challenge that we did with her. I didn't even do numbers with her because I could just tell by her expression and she lied. (laughs) She didn't really want to do, and we'll talk about what I did with her. She didn't want to do it. And so she would quickly say, she's a really smart girl. If you haven't listened to her episode, she actually had a sick day. She wanted to be on the podcast. And so I wasn't sure about it. And I asked my husband, is it okay if she's on the podcast? And he's like, oh, it's fine. And she was so excited about it. So I interviewed her for episode 48. And you know what's so funny is that has been my number one most popular episode, her episode. So if you're a little curious about my daughter... You can go and listen to episode 48 and she talks all about her anxiety and things that she found that parents can do that's helpful and not helpful. And I thought it was really cute. She surprised me with a lot of her answers. So anywho, back to talking about poking my son. (laughs) So we moved from the shot blocker to, um, to then some light pokes with the safety, with the paperclip, I mean. It wasn't a safety pin. That would be very cruel. I wasn't trying to hurt him. I was just trying to get him acclimated to the idea of poking. And so I did it very lightly. And then eventually he would look bored and he'd say, how much longer do we have to do this? And then that's when I know he would be done. And that was pretty much the exposure for him. We went back and got his blood drawn and he was perfectly fine. It was amazing. Like he cried. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. He hyperventilated. (laughs) So it doesn't sound like he was fine. He didn't know it was going to happen because I didn't want to cause him more torment than he needed to have. So I told him just a few hours before it was going to happen, maybe like an hour before, to be honest. And so he was, he was caught off guard and very upset, but it, and it was very unfortunate because we got to the doctor's office and not only did he need a blood draw, which I thought was going to happen like a few weeks after the appointment, I knew he was going to get a shot. He didn't know any of this. So I knew he was going to get a shot, but I didn't think he was going to get his blood drawn. And he had to get both in the same office visit because apparently they can collect your blood there, which actually was amazing and really helpful. So it was a double doozy. And he walked out of there so thrilled because he was like, that didn't bother me. That was okay. That didn't hurt as bad as I thought. And it was because we had done so many exposures. We also went to get him to have his haircut the other day. Not a problem at all. Now I did do a side exposure with that, where I took some scissors and I cut some pieces of his hair, um, to show him, you know, to, to expose him, but we didn't do that for very long. I think I did maybe two days of kind of cutting his hair, just like very small amounts. And I really feel like he got over the hair cutting more because we did the poking exposure than the hair cutting exposure. So you don't really have to do different exposures for each little thing. You just want to get to the core fear. And that's what I talked about in episode 51. Don't spin your wheels and do exposures on all little things. A lot of parents get caught up in that and they're they're like, okay, well, you know, she's afraid to touch doorknobs, so we'll do a doorknob exposure. And then she's afraid to, you know, touch the bathroom sink, so we'll do bathroom sink exposures. And it's like, no, no, just go to the core fear what is the core fear behind all that behavior? And then come up with a creative exposure that hits at that core fear. So let's talk about my daughter really quick. She is six and 
So OCD and anxiety are rampant in my family. If you haven't heard me talk, and this is maybe your first episode with me, they're rampant. So my kids are doomed (laughs) and I have anxiety and, you know, I have actually gotten so much better since I had kids and you might find that as well. And also ironically, since I've been doing this for so long, trying to help other people, I have become so much better myself because you practice what you preach. So I'm almost cured. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, my husband would laugh at that. He'd be like, yeah, right. No, I've made a lot of progress. So my daughter started to have an issue with urine. And I really don't know where this is headed because OCD, onset of OCD, typically can be between 10 and 12. But I do see a lot of younger children with OCD, and I'm not sure if that's because I'm an OCD specialist. And I'm probably the only person in the Valley where I live that specializes in OCD, and I specialize in young kids. So I don't know if I'm seeing a disproportionate amount of young kids with OCD because that's my specialty. Or if there are a lot of kids with OCD that are young and they're just being missed because people don't know what to look for. That is a huge possibility, in my opinion. Because this is a really good example. My daughter is showing some small tendencies of OCD. She has anxiety. It comes and goes. Right now, it seems like there's always a front burner kid in my house. Do you feel that way too? Like if you have multiple kids, it's like, one kid is on fire and then you fix that. And then it's like the other kids on fire and you're like, can I get a break? That's how I feel in my house. So right now my front burner kid is my middle child because of his eating issues, which are really scary. But my little one, she's really like not a front burner issue. If she was my only kid, she'd probably be my front burner issue. (laughs) Well, hopefully. Right. But her anxiety doesn't seem nearly as bad because I'm dealing with other issues, but She had a lot of toileting issues when she was really little, a lot of holding of the poop. And I did a whole podcast on that. I've done articles on that. Um, So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can listen to podcast episode, episode 16, where I talk all about um, poop phobia, because actually it is a serious thing and kids get backed up and it can be a medical issue. So she has that going on. She still has that going on periodically, but I noticed that she started having a lot of issues around urine. So she would not let my son sit on her bed, even if, you know, he's dry, you know, and there's not a problem. She just would get paranoid that he was never allowed to sit on her bed. And we were on a road trip. And I think I've talked about this before. So if you listen to any of my other episodes, you've already heard this story, but we were on a road trip recently. Well, not recently, but like a few months ago. And he needed to go to the bathroom and we were in the middle of nowhere. And because he has social anxiety, he was freaking out because he couldn't go because even though it would just be him and a lizard, he was worried that somebody would see him peeing. And then my daughter started to freak out because she thought he was going to have an accident. And she was like mortified and like paralyzed with fear about him possibly peeing in the car, which he wasn't going to do, but At first, it seemed like a regular kid problem. You know, she was just crying, but then she was like hyperventilating and I was ignoring her because I was just doing the the typical parenting approach. It's fine. You need to be quiet. Leave him alone. He was my issue, not her. But after an hour of hardcore, you know, get over it kind of tough parenting, I realized she's she's having full-blown panic over this. And this is bigger than just being 
kind of a bratty little kid, she's really, really upset. So long story short, it's too late. It's already a long story. I noticed I started paying more attention to it. We did fix that problem. I let her sit in the backpack because we were in a van and she was fine. And my husband thought I gave in, which was really frustrating because I was like, I didn't give in. I just recognized that it was anxiety. I do talk, I don't talk about him, but I did talk about how to parent when your partner doesn't believe in anxiety. I do have an episode all on that. My partner does believe in anxiety, but I think a lot of times he thinks I'm giving in when I'm just having an epiphany that this typical parenting approach that we're doing in this moment is not working because it's anxiety. And I'm sure some of you can relate with that because it's really hard to have your partner on the same page because a lot of times when we realize it's anxiety and we change our parenting approach, it looks like we are turning into a marshmallow (laughs) and we're not. We just realize, you know, it's not going to work because we are not getting it. Anyway, so I talked to my daughter and not at the time, but down the road, I talked to my daughter and I realized I started really paying attention to her behavior and she had a major fear of pee. And I, I looked back and she had other signs of it. So this is a precursor to OCD because a lot of the kids I work with who have OCD, a lot of their compulsions are around getting urine on them. They're terrified of getting urine on them for different reasons, depending on what the core fear is. For her, she was terrified of the smell. And she does have an acute sense of smell, so there is that. (laughs) But the fear is definitely irrational and kind of dominates her because her behavior was not typical. And so I thought we would do exposures. Now, this is going to sound super cruel, but I asked her, look, your brother can't even sit on your bed when it's story time. And there's no reason for it. It's not like he's got pee on him or anything. You just think of him and pee for some reason. And so that's kind of like the OCD where you think somebody is contaminated and that's irrational. So for her exposures, I said, this is going to sound super gross. Don't call child protective services on me. But I said, look, we're going to take pee in a cup and we're going to have you smell it. That would be your challenge. So I, I offer a challenge to her and I see if she's okay with that. And that's what you want to do with your kids. You don't want to just say, this is what we're doing, or you're going to be punished or grounded. No, this is the, this is a challenge we can do. This is why hopefully you've already named your OCD. You've named your anxiety. They understand that if they give in, it grows bigger. I hope they understand all that. And if they don't, hopefully I have some YouTube videos on that already, because this is going to come out in a few weeks. I'm recording it now, but it won't come out for a few weeks. And so I might have some YouTube videos already on that directed to the kids, but she was totally fine with the challenge because we've already done, um, bug challenges where she's had to hold dead bugs in her hand and she completely got over that issue. So she's used to the challenges and she really liked what I got in the challenge prize box. And that is really key for kids because if they don't have that intrinsic incentive to just get rid of the anxiety and OCD, which, you know, sadly, I think most kids don't have because the fear is so overwhelming that they really need some sort of external motivation. So she really wanted a prize and she was fine with having a cup of pee near her. So we started small and she sat down and the pee, the cup full of pee (laughs) was, you know, a few feet away from her. And then each day incrementally, as that became less stressful and boring to her, I moved it closer and closer. 
to the point where I got her to hold it and take deep breaths, breathing in the smell of urine, which was really, really hard for her. I mean, she was gagging because she does have a very acute sense of smell, but she got over it. And once those exposures were done, we did not have any arguing about her brother sitting on the bed. We have not had any issues with her wondering when there's like a puddle. Sometimes we have this ice maker and it, it drops ice on the floor and then my kids don't pick it up. So there's like a little puddle of water. And we did have a cat like two or three years ago who had some medical issues and was like peeing like in little puddles right before it passed away. And so that freaked her out. Hindsight's 2020. Now I realize that that kind of was the beginning of this phobia. But now when she sees any like little drop of water, she'll freak out. Did I get it on my feet? What was that? Was that pee? It's very, very pre-OCD-ish. So now I'm not seeing that at all. So we've improved. So that kind of gives you two examples of what exposures would look like. I'm going to tell you one more really quickly, one more kind of Well, I'm going to tell you two more really quick. One, I want to do like a classic OCD exposure. And and then I want to tell you how to use this in a looser way with anxiety. So for anxiety, I'll tell you that one really quickly because it's a little bit quicker to say. I sometimes will keep a challenge prize box. And this is how I do ERP in a looser fashion for anxiety. My kids are often afraid to go upstairs by themselves, to go in any dark room by themselves. If you have an anxious kid, you totally get this because you're probably dealing with it too. So anytime we naturally have a struggle where my child is like, I can't do it. I'm afraid. Or you come with me or I don't want to go up there. I will say, that's fine. You don't have to go or you can take a challenge and earn a prize from the prize box. So that is kind of more of a casual exposure. They will often say, okay, I'll take the prize and they'll run upstairs, go get their shoes. And I, I'll try to like not get them to run so they can really do the behavior and expose themselves in a proper way. But I find that very effective because eventually they're able to do things more independently and on their own and they're not giving in to their anxiety. So that's a way to do ERP in a more casual way for anxiety. But I want to end just giving you a brief ERP example for you know, a little bit more clinical one that I would do in my office. Many people with OCD have issues with bodily fluids and it can vary. It can, it can be an issue for many different OCD themes. And if you don't know what OCD themes are, I talk about that in episode 25 and I go through all the different types of OCD themes that kids can have. I kind of break them up into themes and I think it's easier to look at them in categories. Most kids have several categories, but it just makes it easier. So uh, bodily fluid can be an issue in many different types of OCD. So the core fear could be very different. It could be that they're afraid of germs. It could be they're afraid of harming somebody else. So if I get pee on my hand and then I touch a doorknob and then you get sick, it's my fault. It could be because it feels disgusting, which is more of just a disgust OCD. There can be many reasons. It could be Uh, moral OCD. If I get like bodily fluid, like semen on my hands, then I'm a disgusting person and I'm horrible. So it, it can be different for each kid. And that's why episode 51, finding out the core fear is so important because 
your exposure is going to look different depending on what the core fear is. So I often, (laughs) this is going to sound really gross. So in my office, because bodily fluids are such a big thing, what I would do, let's just come up with a hypothetical composite of a person that we can use. So I can kind of go walk you through really quickly what an ERP uh, like exposure would look like. So let's say I have a person who is uh, afraid of getting pee on their hands. And so they wash all the time or they wipe all the time. Let's say this is a boy and he's worried that if he gets pee on him, he'll get sick. Now for other people, it might be that they're worried that they're going to get somebody else sick. And so you're going to want to tweak that. And I'll, I'll tell you what I mean in a minute. So I might start with, depends on their level of anxiety or stress, but I might get toilet water and I have like little, I have a little dropper in my office. And so I'll take like a little drop of toilet water. So I'll get like a little cup of toilet water and then I'll get my dropper and it depends on their level of anxiety. So for some kids I might put, I have these little swatch fabric things that I bought at Walmart. So you can go to the fabric section and you can buy like a stack of little fabric squares. And I use those for exposures. And so depending on the child's level of fear, I'll take the toilet water and I'll put a drop. I'll get one of the droppers and I'll take one little drop and put it on this swatch. Swatch? Are they called swatches? (laughs) I don't know. I'll put it on this little piece of fabric and then I'll smush it in and then I'll have them touch the fabric. For some kids, that's huge and that's very anxiety producing and that's enough. And then we move from there. And so from there, over time, I might have them put the droplet right directly on their hand. Now, this is just toilet water, no pee in the toilet water. So then I might have them touch their face or their lips. A lot of times as we progress, I will put like a mint or piece of gum in their hand after they've touched the toilet water and you know, they've smushed it around in their hands and their hands are dry and then they will eat something from their hand. So they're kind of exposing themselves to the germs. That just gives you an idea, a very brief idea of what ERP would look like for somebody who was having issues with bodily fluids. You start off with something very simple. Now, if they were worried about harming other people, so they were still concerned about urine, but it wasn't about them. They were worried about other people. Having them touch themselves is not a good exposure because they're not really worried about harming themselves. They're worried about harming other people. So in that instance, I have kids uh, put the toilet water on their hand and dry it off or not really dry it off, but kind of smush it in, take a piece of gum and then hand it to their parent. So they're feeding their parent basically this contaminated piece of candy. And then that's addressing their core fear. So you can see why the core fear is important because if I just had them rub it on their own hands because I just looked at, well, they're afraid of, they're afraid of pee. So I'm going to expose them to pee and that's it. And I didn't go down the rabbit hole deep enough to find out that they're afraid of pee because they don't want to harm other people. Then I'd be missing the boat completely. So I hope that makes sense. And next week we are going to go into, we're just going to do a brainstorming session and we're going to go into different OCD themes and different anxiety themes and talk about what kind of exposures you can do with your kids. So I hope you're finding this useful in part three of part four. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss part four. And if you're enjoying my show, you can give back 
by just hitting a star on iTunes. It is simple as that. That's giving back to the show by showing your support and rating it. If you have a few more minutes and you can leave a comment and leave a review, that is even better. And I really appreciate that. So I hope that you're finding the sparkle in everything you do. And until next week, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.